John could feel like the god of his childhood imagination. The god who could hold the green and blue earth like a soccer ball and put his thumb down at random, killing millions of people and hearing thousands of tiny fire engine sirens as they battled with futility to put out tiny fires. There'd probably be looting, too, amongst those that remained, not to mention the millions crushed under the thumb itself, so meaningless to John's God that he could put the digit in his mouth and taste nothing but a memory of what he'd prepared for breakfast that morning. This despite the numberless bodies that must have stuck in the channels and furrows of his thumbprint like so much squashed insect. John was looking at his own name in the phone book for the thousandth time, J. Peterson, and marveling at how much he looked like everyone else when categorized there, the lines and letters of his name. It was a fantastic disguise, and it took no effort. There he was, nestled with the other J. Petersons, who had accepted him, without thought, as one of their own, part of the herd. John was fascinated with phone books, along with other less harmless things. There were perhaps hundreds of them in his house, tomes from as far away as China and Japan, England and France. But he was not a collector, if there are collectors of such things. He was searching for a name. And the more books, the more names, and the more names, the greater the choice. Unfortunately, the process was not entirely indiscriminate, much as the perfectionist in him would have liked it to be. The foreign directories were simply for his own entertainment, to give him a greater feeling of power. For practicality, the name he ultimately chose would be that of someone located in America. A feeling of power came from imagining the rest of the tiny soccer ball world breathing a sigh of relief upon learning this knowledge, and it made him smile in a way that would shoo animals. Also, the name would be located in a city, because you could walk unnoticed in a city. It would be a woman. It had to be. That was a foregone conclusion but John still prided himself on being an equal-opportunity kind of person. This was also why the ethnic names were never dismissed, although John would be the first to admit he never spent much time among the Ahmeds and the Wongs. But practicality was so boring. Those rules wrote themselves, that stuff about choosing a city, one in America— John had spent far longer on the philosophical impositions. Primarily, he had considered how some people thought that there was nothing in a name. They thought it was just a sound or collection of sounds, and it was your personality that counted, etc., and John dismissed this as the worst kind of nonsense. He saw his name in his own handwriting almost every time he bought anything significant. And as everyone knows, transacting business is one of the most important things a person can do. How can that not have an impact? J. Peterson struck him as solid and ordinary, 
as American as peanut butter and golf courses, despite, and maybe because of, its European origins. He imagined a slave adopting it after emancipation. He saw it inscribed in brass plaques on office doors and printed on greasy badges pinned on drive through monkeys. Above all, he loved its accuracy, its sweet accuracy, because it was his name. John wanted his endeavor to lead him to a person with capability, because it would make the later exercises more fun. He had spent an earlier part of his evening looking at the cleavers in this book, i.e. people called clever, of which there were three. But after an hour's hard deliberation, he dismissed them. He was concerned that they might not be beautiful.